Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. My name is Courtney. This is episode 77, and we're reviewing part six, Stone Ocean, Gravity of the New Moon. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the JoJo anime. We have reached a turning point. Now that the Weather Report arc has concluded, we said goodbye to Weather Report last episode. It was very sad because I, I love him and I miss him already. But we're starting this turning point pretty intensely because holy shit, this episode on gravity flew by the first time I watched it. Yeah, I guess to take a quote from a Hamilton song, it's the world turned upside down. I don't know. I, I watched <laughs> Hamilton, but I didn't really watch Hamilton. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just couldn't understand the lyrics. And <laughs> I had the soundtrack, so I knew every word. But, yeah, it's it's a very literal turning point, I think, at this point in the story. Because everything's falling sideways. Right. Well, I think we don't have any JoJo news for this episode. Is that right? Yeah, nothing really substantial has come out in the past couple of days regarding JoJo news. Um, I think Viz Media did announce that they will be publishing uh, volumes for the English translation of Stone Ocean Part 6 here in the States sometime later this year. Which is kind of crazy to think that it's taken this long to get English translations, official mm -hmm. English translations, because I think a lot of what we have and a lot of what we see in, in memes and screenshots are fan translations. Yes, because, you know, there are other ways to read translated manga <laughs> besides the official sources. <laughs> but hey, some would argue the fan translations are better because you don't have copyright to worry about. Right. And so I, I guess, you know, for those who, who like to have a physical collection of manga... Uh, that's going to be a definite plus to add Stone Ocean to your collection. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, Courtney, you've already <laughs> read the manga through a different means. Um, so I don't know if you'd want to just pick this up again. Although I read I the manga by any means necessary. <laughs> yeah, I think the Stone Ocean English translation is available through, like, Viz Media's app, like, digital app or whatever. Uh, but, yeah. That's the only news that's that I've actually heard of, but nothing else really substantial. I know we went through the Crunchyroll Anime Awards recently exclusively for our patrons and talked about nominees and who we're going to vote for. Um, I'm not going to spoil it necessarily, but uh, maybe we can share that we did vote for Stone Ocean um, in at least some of the categories. Yeah. Two at the very least, if I can recall. Yeah, so I, I would say based on all of the heavy hitters that were on some of the lists, I didn't vote for Stone Ocean in every single category because I was trying to be as, you know, as truthful as possible to how I felt some of these anime panned out this year. But we, we certainly had Jolene and, and the Joe Bros in some of the, the categories uh, getting our votes. So we'll see what ends up winning. We'll probably check back in when the Crunchyroll Anime Awards releases their winners. I think that's sometime in March. Yeah, I think according to Crunchyroll's official website, the in-person awards ceremony will be in Tokyo on March 4th. And so I'm not sure if that's going to be live streamed or if they'll release video of the ceremony 
sometime after that weekend. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be a while. So we'll see what the fate of Stone Ocean awards wise is going to be. And we'll share that with you guys when we get to that point. Um, and we'll see if any of the categories that we voted for Stone Ocean are the same categories where hopefully it wins. I'd like to see it win at least one or two of the categories. But I think we can just go ahead and jump right into this episode. So, JoJo fans, it's time to try Defying Gravity. So let's dive her down into our synopsis and discussion for Part 6, Episode 33, Gravity of the New Moon. The remnants of the prison posse are in mourning a day after Weather Report's demise, so Hisoka Sui finds it to be the opportune moment to propose to Jolene. And thus, it goes just as well as you'd expect. With Jotaro's soul album en route to the Speed Waifu Foundation, the posse decides to face Poochie Gangier head-on at the Kennedy Space Center, where the pestilent priest joins a tour of the facility while experiencing extreme heartburn, nausea, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. Instead of remedying his ailment with a Pepto-Bismol, however, it seems that his wardo is about to turn upside down or sideways parallel? The sudden change in gravity rocks the prison posse's parade toward the panhandle only a couple miles away, causing Hermes to be ejected and creating her own cover of Tom Petty's Free Fallen. The remaining three prison posse partners climb their way towards the Kennedy Space Center, only to be confronted by Poochie Gangier's stand's newest Pokémon evolution, and its gravity-defying abilities are sure to turn Jolene inside out, both mentally and literally. And now on to our next segment of the show, is that a music and or fashion reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and or fashion. And we technically have one in this episode, but I think it would be a safer bet to introduce that reference with the start of the next arc. I think it would be more appropriate then. So in terms of this episode, there aren't any references. Well, now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown, where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode, and there are none. So there you go. As always, if we missed any, please reach out and let us know. So we get a status update at the beginning of this episode, telling us that there are two more days until the new moon. There were six days total. Is that right? At the beginning of this countdown? I thought it was... 10 days. 10 days? Hold on. Now I I gotta go back to my notes. Oh, sorry. I was wrong. You were correct. There were six days until the new moon at the end of part two. So a lot of time has passed um, since all of that started, which was right on the time Poochie left the jail. So I it doesn't feel like that much time has passed, like a full four days have passed, but apparently that is the case. But we, um, we joined the Joe Bros on their road trip to the Kennedy Space Center. And the episode starts off with Jolene reflecting on everything that's happened so far with Weather Report, with Jotaro's disc, with Poochie, etc. And you can tell she's very distraught. She's wondering if things would have turned out different with Weather Report, if, you know, she had made different choices. And, you know, I think her feeling very defeated in this moment and not being able to save yet another one of her friends, she turns to her father and asks, Dad, what should I do? Please tell me, um, you know, please give me a sign. And I think that's the start of her 
really longing for her father to come back to help her, um, which we all know is is going to be the case in just a few episodes. But I, I don't know if she's really had this moment before where she's actually calling out to him, wishing he was here to help her. We have gotten like relationship development between this father and daughter duo where Jolene recognized, you know, she went from hating her dad, thinking that he was an absent father to realizing that he actually sacrificed his opportunity to be a father in order to protect his wife and daughter um, and started to realize, okay, there's a, a reason why he wasn't around all the time. But I, I could be wrong, but I feel like this is the first time she's actually wanting him to be here with her. Yeah, because the last time that they had interacted, um, I know like he was about to succumb to his coma and they really didn't have a heart to heart, right? Because that's when White Snake removed the discs from him. Um, so yeah, I think this is a very rare occurrence um, to see Jolene in this state of longing for her father. But again, maybe in the past, like when she was growing up, she might have had the she might have harbored harbored those same feelings too um what i took from this scene is it's clear like jolene has gone through so much shit like from the prison up to the escape up until now and it's really clear that she is fucking exhausted yeah (laughs) but i think what's great about jolene is even though she has this moment of repose and reflection she knows that she has to keep going in her mission and so she gets that momentary shut eye as she rests along uh, on a suey's torso um, even though she's having visions of resting against her father's torso uh, but i thought it was nice that here at least jolene is able to catch like a quick breath and it's probably important to recognize that unlike some of her um relatives earlier on in the Joestar lineage she didn't have the opportunity to learn a lot from Jotaro it was basically him in the visitation room dumping a ton of information on her and then shortly after he gets you know KO'd and ends up um you know hospitalized versus like Jotaro going on his journey in the Stardust Crusaders he was able to be with Joseph the entire time or you had Joseph, who had Speedwagon kind of guiding him along the way. Um, even if Speedwagon wasn't there the entire time, at least he also had Caesar, who, as a Zapelli, had some understanding of like what had happened in the past, you know, during Jonathan's arc and whatnot. So I think besides Jolene, you could probably argue that the other two Joe stars who have done a lot of these things on their own are Jonathan and probably Jorno. Mm-hmm. Because even Josuke, you know, Josuke had Joltaro there the entire time and then Joseph showed up. So Jolene is on the side of the Joestars that is just trying to figure out everything all on her own. Um, and that makes sense that she's so completely exhausted. But it is really wholesome and really sweet when she falls asleep on Anasui's shoulder and he's oh. like, holy shit. I thought it was a very wholesome moment. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that Anasui shows his feelings for Jolene at very inopportune moments, even though I said in my synopsis that this he felt like this was an opportune moment for him. 
Well, did he know it was inopportune? He can't read her mind. They're just in a car together. I mean, I think the entire setting is inopportune because well, they're right trying after, to... Well, right after Weather Report's death, right? True. I don't think he was planning to propose to her, though. I think he was... Because didn't you want to get Jotaro's blessing? Yeah. But then why would you slip slip the ring onto her finger anyway? I don't anyways? know, because he's stupid. Because, <laughs> yeah, she's going to wake up and be like, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> Well, the silver lining of it all is that we do learn that the footprints on his outfit are actually pockets. <laughs> I was dying the first time I saw that. I'm like, no fucking way. He's pulling the ring out of one of his little footprints. That is so fucking funny. Because I was wondering, I'm like, where does he keep anything? He's got like fishnet for a top and then uh, like fishnet for a bottom. Like he has like tidy whities on. And like a half skirt thing going on. Like a tunic or something. <laughs> a weird tunic. But now we know that he makes practical use of the footprints on his body. What is that? Uh, form over, no, function over form. There you go. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he does say that his feelings for her are genuine. Um, he said that many times throughout Stone Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, then if they're not genuine, what what are they? What are what are What's his motive then? No, I mean... Yeah, I'm sure he's in love with her, but I, I just think back to, like, he fell in love with her the first time he saw her, and that was it. Like, it's just love at first sight. I mean, like, I think Jolene has proven at this point that she is a she is a woman worth falling in love with and fighting for, but I, I just think back to the, the reason why is just, like, it was love at first sight for him. That's not romantic to you? <laughs> that happens all the time in like anime and TV shows and movies and whatnot. I mean, it's like yeah, we we had like crushes in high school because we thought they were pretty or handsome, and then like we learned that it's not always just about love at first sight. But again, I guess this is an exception because we we see Jolene or Anasui sees Jolene progress, and like I said, he knows that she is a definite. S tier girl. <laughs> well, I'm always going to fight for the side of Anasui because I feel like he made it clear in the beginning that he fell in love with her at first sight because of the drive that he could sense from her, the passion, the fire in her eyes to complete her goal. And it's something that he even comments on again in this episode towards the end. So for me, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm team Anasui. I love it. I, I think it's cute that his feelings are genuine. I think he makes dumb decisions. I've, I've mentioned this before. He's a very perceptive, very practical Joe bro. But when it comes to Jolene, he tends to make when it comes to Jolene and his feelings for her, he tends to make goofy decisions like taking the ring out at that point, mm -hmm. putting it on her finger when, you know, that wasn't the moment that he was going to propose. And it was a ring that he had saved up for in prison. So, of course, he's absolutely distraught when Jolene wakes up to Hermes screaming about the crocodiles or alligators, whichever they were. And Jolene, in that kind of, uh, like, fury of emotions decides to throw whatever was in her hand in that moment at the uh the alligators or crocodiles and then yeah honestly panics and starts crying because she threw away the ring that he worked so hard to get for her does Aramis just have a grudge against crocodiles because of the the ghost one that attacked her during the sports max arc that and probably the crocodile poop that she fell in right before they met <laughs> oh, that, fighters okay. yeah i was trying to remember like all the crocodile related incidents that they've been in prior to this yeah she just uh her and uh, crocodiles just don't get along apparently this is also kind of 
uh, a quirky scene because, again, I'm just thinking about us reeling from what happened in the previous episode where we saw Weather Report pass away. And we jump to this scene where just Hermes suddenly sees crocodiles out the window and just expresses her disdain for them. And then you have Jolene, who kind of joins in on the fun and then throws the, the ring <laughs> at, at the crocodiles, which sets Anasui off. I feel like this is one of the last major comedic moments that we'll see in Stone Ocean. Uh, granted, like I mentioned, it, it's kind of off-putting, especially after a major death. Although I feel like there's been other instances in JoJo where the mood's been lightened after something so raw and emotional. Um, but after watching this, I was thinking there isn't many other opportunities for humor with the remaining arcs. So Except I... for when Anasui asked Jotaro for his blessing. Oh, that's <laughs> it's right. Much, yeah. It's much quicker than this <laughs> scene, but it is a, a scene I always look forward to. But to add to the comedic elements, Emporio is driving because why? <laughs> because why is this yeah. child driving? He even has like a brick or like a a cube strapped like a to wooden his... block or something. Yeah, strapped to his foot so he can reach the pedals. I'm like, who thought this was a good idea? All of you, <laughs> all of you are of driving age in the U.S. of A, which is 16 or 15 if you have a learner's permit. So why would you not put any of them behind the wheel except for the one kid who's underage and can't even reach the floor? Yeah, I was trying to rationalize this and I was thinking, oh, maybe if one of the other uh, prison posse ended up driving. Like, they're, they're still escaped convicts, so they would get pulled over and that'd be it. But then a cop would also pull over a 10-year-old kid that's driving. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's like a, a rock, between a rock and a hard place, whoever gets to drive. But, yeah, I wouldn't trust uh, Emporio to do it if... I mean, yeah, I, I think he, he's mentioned, like, he knows how to pilot the helicopter or how to drive just because of the, him reading books or having that computer on hand but then he starts using the computer while he's driving which is also dangerous and so that's where i was thinking if he were passenger uh front seat passenger he could just do that and have someone else do all the driving which is so funny when he drops the computer onto hermes because it's it's tiny in his hand and he like you know, has it in his fist, and then Hermes reaches out to grab it from him, but then it expands to full size, and then she's crushed under it. But he explains that they're on their way to the Kennedy Space Center because that's where Pucci is headed, and for some reason, only this last time watching through the episode did it click with me that the Kennedy Space Center is a perfect setting for what's going to happen next because of this theme of gravity. Hello, I'm stupid. <laughs> mm -hmm. Another, just one more thing with Emporio. I know that this takes place in, or right now it's March 21st, 2012. So I was also thinking, why didn't Emporio just pull out a smartphone instead of a computer? But then you have to think back to when the manga for Stone Ocean was written, and that was the early 2000s. So smartphones had not existed yet. Yeah, that's true. You could also argue that his ghost items have like limitations to whatever he had access to in the prison. Yeah, that's true. But then he could also just get new ghost items. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, moving on to the science lessons of gravity in this episode. Yeah, we have um, Poochie showing up at the Kennedy Space Center and some rando helps him 
because he's a priest and he wants to do his one good deed per day. But Poochie is not fucking amused by this dude. And it's also very sweaty for some reason. So we only saw this instance of Poochie feeling unwell. It was like a begin or sorry, end of part two, right? Where he was outside the supermarket. Yeah. And he like made the lady's eggs turn into baby chicks. Yeah. And so this is the only other time we see it, right? We never see this happen. We never saw this constantly happen in the past couple episodes. Yeah, it must come in waves. Maybe it happened initially when the baby fused with him. And now it's happening again because the baby's about to turn into the new iteration of his stand. You think because it's approaching the coordinates that Dio had specified? I'm guessing. Okay. I think so. Because, um, yeah, it's like now that he's arrived here, things are suddenly kicking into high gear, which is appropriate for the third iteration of his stand, which controls time by making it move faster. But we have the announcer, I guess, slash narrator, who talks about um, the tides and all this shit. But then I think the one comment that I took away um, from what he was saying is that gravity is theoretically weaker in Cape Canaveral, which is like the opposite of what the fuck we're about to see happen, where like gravity suddenly becomes... I would say like 10 times amplified. Not only is gravity changing its direction, it's pulling so hard it's about to rip the trees out of the ground. So I think it's that the gravitational pull at the equator is weaker than gravitational pull at the opposite, like the north and south poles. And then on top of that, at Cape Canaveral, it's 50 meters above sea level, which I think would make the gravitational pull even weaker so, so that would freak me out if you were at the poles then and then poochie made everything turn sideways would everything just like rip right out of the earth and fall into space yeah i don't know <laughs> but all this takes place when poochie says he doesn't feel well because he's again really sweaty and uh yeah suddenly the direction of gravity changes and that poor annoying dude that rando falls sideways into the railing and it impales him and yet no one sees it happen. Yeah, I think that's funny because the guy who had that soft drink only notices that his soft drink has gone missing. He didn't hear the tourists behind him get mutilated at all. Or like the people <laughs> standing in line behind them. They didn't see this guy fall sideways. Yeah. But once that gravity kicks into sideways gear, we switch back to the Joe Bros in the car and I noticed that the art style for the first like couple of scenes when they're realizing what's happening to the car, the art style is way more bold. Like their eyelashes are out of control. Like there's that one zoom in on Anasui where his eyelashes are so fucking long. It makes even me jealous. <laughs> and all of like the lines on their face are really bold. The shadows I feel like are deeper and darker and um, it's it's drawn gorgeously. It's just such a drastic change for just those few scenes. And then when everything starts falling towards the car and they start falling out of the car, blah, 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 it goes back to the same art style that we had been getting previously in this episode. Probably because it's like a contained scene. Like we're only getting, we're only focusing on the drill bros inside the car as they're having to wrestle with whatever is happening in the outside world and even there was that shot of the car next to them that was also getting pulled back yeah and they were drawn very bold too weren't they yeah i mean they have the typical jojo lines on their face but it's a lot more prominent and a lot more 
liney, I guess. <laughs> Once they reach the point where everything starts falling at them, Hermes realizes that they're not falling down, they're falling backwards. And so the Joe bros like jump out of the car and Anasu uses Diver down to embed them into the road to stop them from falling. But then poor Hermes gets fucking clocked in the face with a stone pillar and falls sideways away from them. And Jolene is absolutely distraught at that point because she's not able to save Hermes. And this is coming you know, on the heels of losing weather report. So I can only imagine how much she's panicking in this moment. I'm surprised the stone freeze threads weren't able to reach Hermes in time. Unless she was just falling so much faster than the threads were able to project outward. Mm. That was my my logic behind it, because I was wondering the same thing. But if the threads are also falling the same way towards Hermes, I mean, I don't know how, (laughs) like, I forgot my physics lessons, like Um, how acceleration works. Yeah, I mean, free fall and acceleration, okay, not that I know anything, but my assumption is it's not just Hermes free fall, falling she's also like the speed is increasing because she got impaled by something Mm. so she absorbed that that momentum (laughs) and so she's falling faster than jolene's strings can be launched plus hermes is like a solid human body um a string can be like swayed in the wind back and forth i imagine yeah that's true that that would be a factor okay that's just again. I I don't know anything. I might I might sound confident, but really I'm just that's that's my my brain trying to rationalize why Jolene wasn't able to catch her. But it's all for good reason because we'll find out in a few episodes that she ends up uh, Hermes ends up uh, reuniting with well not reuniting but like meeting Joltado because they haven't yeah, met yet, right? No. It's so weird keeping track of like who's actually met and who hasn't. Yeah, because Jotaro was only interacting with Jolene. In the prison, and then of course, like John Gallier and um, White Snake. So yeah, I don't think he's ever met Hermes, but she's the one who escorts him uh, to the space center um, to save everybody. And speaking of Jotaro, when Jolene, Anasui, and Emporio sort of uh, get a grasp on the situation, literally by holding onto the guardrails on the street, um, Jolene is reflecting on like what the fuck is happening right now as everything is falling sideways you know right past them and she said this must be what her father worked so hard to conceal or to prevent 20 years ago and then wonders if this is the heaven that Pucci was trying to reach however Emporio right behind her is like struck with fear because he realizes that this is just the beginning of what Pucci's trying to achieve and that things are going to get much worse. But I don't think he really has any idea how much worse it's going to get, especially for him. How does Emporio know that this is like only one phase? It's not like the final phase. I don't think he knows for sure, but he probably just has an idea like this can't be what he was trying to achieve, just making shit fall sideways. This is probably the start Mm -hmm. of like what could be his ultimate goal. Okay, yeah. I feel like Emporio is perceptive enough to to pick up on that. Yeah, if he can fly a helicopter his first time after just reading a book, then I'd I'd trust if he were to instinctually sense that something else is coming down the pipe. It's also in this moment that Anasui admires Jolene's resolve as he kind of gazes over at her and and the fire in her eyes to reach her goal of killing Poochie. But he also notices how, you know, despite how... How determined she looks, but then also how much she has like this longing in her eyes, maybe for her father to come save her. Like she's longing for this relationship that they couldn't have when he was distancing himself to protect her. 
But then Anasui also comments and says that he feels that he can protect Jolene the best among him, Jotaro, and Weather Report. And I'm going to call bullshit on that one. Anasui, I understand why you would say that, right? Because, like, I assume that any guy would be like, He's you know, the only man left. <laughs> he's like, you know, when, when you marry someone, right? Like, you're getting the torch passed from you know, your wife's father to you, like you are kind of like the the man in her life now, right? But I also kind of feel like there's no way in hell, just like looking at it very objectively, that Anasui could ever be a better protector for Jolene than Jotaro. It's yeah. fucking Jotaro Kujo, okay? <laughs> he has no fucking clue. <laughs> wow, we actually agree uh, something about Anasui for once. Hey, I can be I can be unbiased. You know, I can I can call Anasui's bullshit when it needs to be called. Granted, he doesn't know much about Jotaro, but if he did, he'd probably be like, "Nah, I don't stand a fucking chance against Jotaro." Yeah, he's made a lot of assumptions about Jotaro, especially with oh, I'm just gonna get her father's blessing, and that's going to be that's gonna go smoothly. And then you have this saying, "Oh, I'm the only one who can protect her now." I know he wants to get. He wants to get blessing from the guy who like shows almost no emotion except for anger. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, good luck. The guy who's been working so hard and risking his life to protect his daughter isn't just going to give his daughter away to some dude he just met. When the Joe Bros finally reach the visitor center of the Kennedy Space Center, um, we see, I just have to comment on this, the girl with her skirt halfway down her ass who was probably taking mm-hmm. a shit but fell out of the bathroom. <laughs> like, Araki didn't need to do that, but I appreciate that he did. Again, finding any moment to just infuse a little bit of humor in this very fucked up situation for Jolene. Kind of reminds me of, there was a recent Attack on Titan mean, meme from final season part two uh that involves someone on a toilet oh yeah it was so funny and then something that happens in part two um yeah i mean <laughs> i'm imagining if she was also in mid poop like if her poop started falling sideways well there was water rushing out of the bathroom so i'm like is that water from like a sink yeah. Or from all the toilets that are in that bathroom. <laughs> yeah, like, with the toilet sideways, that would some all... of the water would spill out, and including whatever shits inside of there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and then Jolene looks at them and says, "Ah, they're all right. We don't have to worry about it. They can figure it out." But then, when they reach the visitor center, out comes the next evolution of Poochie's stand that looks like the green baby, and those are the fucking weird teeth that the green baby has. And we'll get more information about the stand and the stand's ability in the next episode. But we do see the first glimpse at what the stand's power is, which is um, apparently turning Jolene's fingers inside out. I didn't realize this, but there are close-ups of this evolution of the Green Baby stand. So it, I think it's White Snake with the Green Baby's features on yeah it. like fused together yeah because you can still see the the gacked logo across its face or like across its head and then it's kind of wearing the green baby's face as a sort of mask or helmet yeah and it looks just as fucked up as its standability is i just can't handle the fingers we're gonna get more of those fingers in the next episode and one thing I did note about the stand is that Poochie seems to be speaking through his stand, mm-hmm. so similar to White Snake. But we've also kind of wondered if White Snake is a sentient stand. So I feel like 
I don't know, at least at this point, it doesn't seem to be very sentient versus like a way to, for Pucci to communicate to Jolene remotely. But we will look at that a little more closely in the next episode, which is named after the stand itself. But for now, that brings us to our final thoughts for part six, episode 33, Gravity of the New Moon. So did this episode, like gravity, bring you down? Uh, it brought me sideways, sideways <laughs> with joy because it had a lot of what I really enjoy about Stone Ocean. You've got the romantic moments between Anasui and Jolene. Um, you've got the comedic moment um, or moments, I guess, with the crocodiles or alligators, whatever the fuck they are, and the, the lady with her skirt hanging off of her ass. It had a ton of action. Like once gravity started falling, the action never stopped. It was so fast. Like I said earlier in this episode, this episode itself flew by when I first watched it. And I was just enthralled the entire time. And it also had um, great relationship development for Jolene and Jotaro. Even though Jotaro wasn't there, just the thought of her father was enough for Jolene to long to be with him again, for him to rescue her, to save her, to give her guidance, because that's what, you know, children look to their parents for, is that guidance in life. And since he's been, you know, he's not been able to be a, a significant part of her life this is a moment that is critical for her that is life or death and it's not just her life that's at stake it's the lives of her her joe bros and she's she's feeling defeated she lost weather report she lost foo fighters and she's looking to her father for some help so while the episode may not have progressed a ton in terms of like the goal against poochie because we're just getting from point a which is wherever they left Weatherport to point B, which is the Kennedy Space Center. Um, it still gave us a lot of other things to appreciate that helped to enhance the overall Stone Ocean story. What about you? Honestly, I thought this episode had a slight taste of transitional, but we do have that nice checklist of JoJo tropes and staples from, from the humor to the fucked up situations. And especially with experiencing the evolution in Poochie's power and I guess quite the bizarre lesson in gravity. But other than that, I think this episode was yet another great example of Jolene's firm Joestar resolve to ever push forward despite the overwhelming odds and the situation getting even worse despite the new Green Baby's evolved stand rearing its ugly green head and despite all of Anasui's romantic advances so I think overall this was kind of like a point a to point b plot in this episode but it was one that was still important enough to set us up for what is going to be quite the unstoppable force of the sea moon arc and I just realized there's only three arcs left, really, in Stone Ocean. What or... is it? The Sea Moon arc, the Maiden Heaven arc, and then the finale? Yeah. So Would that's... you consider the finale part of the Maiden Heaven arc? Um, I I guess it's it's almost like an epilogue to it. I'd almost consider all of this an arc. Like starting with this episode till the end is its own arc. It's like the finale. The, the the climactic arc of the story because it focuses solely on Pucci and defeating him and closing out the story. Yeah, I guess the way I see it is like the Simon arc is the prologue to what is almost like the 
Avengers Endgame. So let me rephrase it. Like Sea Moon Arc is like Infinity War, and then Made in Heaven is almost like Endgame, and then the the finale is like the post credit scene <laughs> in a Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I can't believe we're almost there. I can't believe we've reached this point. It feels like just yesterday we were starting this part three of Stone Ocean uh, review and, you know, just being excited to actually get the last part of Stone Ocean so quickly after the second part. Time definitely flies, or I guess time accelerates. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that, thank you everybody for tuning in. Look forward to next week when we talk in depth about Sea Moon and more of the nasty inside out fingers. Oh my God, I still can't get over that. Um, But as always, subscribe to Strictly JoJo on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series and tune into Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. To be continued. And so I'm not sure if that's going to be live streamed or. (laughs) Sorry, came out of nowhere.